Phoenix Audio presents The Cosby Wit His Life and Humor by Bill Adley. Although much of the charm of Bill Cosby's humor stems from its unbelievable naturalness, much as if he made it all up right in front of your eyes, the truth of the matter is that he knows exactly what he expects your reaction to be when he delivers a joke or routine, and that he has labored hard for the effect he wants to make. What I do with humor is to have three levels hitting all at the same time, he once explained. The most important level is, of course, what he calls the middle level, which is the total laughter itself. But there are two other levels, as he goes on to describe, the levels he calls the overcurrent and the undercurrent. For instance, in my monologues, the humor itself goes straight down the middle. The audience identifies with him during his reminiscences and during his anecdotes about children and family life. Total laughter is the result. A typical overcurrent, Cosby explains, might be the fact that rather than trying to bring the races of people together by talking about the differences, he tries to bring them together by talking about the similarities. As for the undercurrent, that is the level, he explains, that makes an appeal for an understanding of the gap between the ages in the lives of people. Serious stuff indeed, and something Cosby doesn't normally deal with, either in his appearances before the public or in his writings. In effect, Bill Cosby is a happy mixture of many complex character elements, all of which enable him to create his own brand of special humor that transcends any arbitrary boundaries that might be set up and tends to reach across all dividing lines to bring laughter to all living beings. How did it happen? What made this man a symbol of humor and wit and kindness? What went into the making of the essentiality of the Cosby wit? William Henry Cosby, Jr. was born in a suburb of Philadelphia called Germantown on July 12, 1937, at the height of the Great Depression. His father was a welder who eventually became a mess steward in the Navy and was then away from home most of the time. My father is an intelligent man who failed in life, Cosby once said about him. When I was a child, we kept moving down the economic ladder. From Germantown in North Philadelphia, called by some people at the time the jungle, the family gradually was forced into smaller quarters at the same time the numbers of the family were growing. Finally, the Cosbys were relegated to an apartment housing project called the Richard Allen Homes, known to the neighborhood as the Projects. It was here that the family finally settled, and Cosby's father became more and more an absentee parent. It fell to Anna Cosby to keep the family together. There were originally four boys, but James II died when he was six years old, leaving three, Bill, Russell, and Robert. Bill Cosby was the oldest. In the 1940s, Cosby's father was pretty much gone for good, and Anna was working full-time as a cleaning woman around the Philadelphia area. When Cosby was 10 or 11, he tried his hand at shining shoes. During summer vacation, when he was 11, he got a real job at a grocery store, moving boxes and crates around for $8 a week. There was one grammar school teacher he had during the sixth grade who made a deep impression on him. Her name was Mary B. Forchick, later Mary Forchick Nagel. Of all the teachers he ever had, she was the one who instilled in Cosby a feeling for education that he never really lost, even though for years he actually did nothing about it. At the end of Cosby's year with her, she wrote this prescient remark on his report card. He would rather be a clown than a student, and he feels it his mission to amuse his classmates in and out of school. 
Cosby graduated from grammar school to Central High School, where he went out for football. He didn't really get very far there, though, because he found that the athletic program was full of cliques and that it favored certain people, and Cosby was not one of them. He was given an intelligence quotient test one day and came out pretty near the top. Soon afterward, he was transferred to Germantown High School and assigned to a class for gifted students. But his gifted peers weren't good companions at all, and he found himself more and more with his friends on the street, cutting up with them and telling jokes and playing tricks on them. By the time he had finished the 10th grade, he discovered that he didn't know enough to go on to the 11th. He was forced to go back to take the 10th again. This was too much. He opted out of school. He joined the Navy, following more or less in his father's footsteps. However, when he recalled it later, he saw it in a slightly different light. I joined the Navy because my buddies had all joined the Air Force, and I didn't want to be like everybody else. It was 1956 in the Korean War.